0: Good morning everyone and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, March 10th, 2019. The share ID numbers for Friday, March 8th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 12,637. That's 12637. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 12,639. That's 12639. This morning, A Vision for You presents, it works. It really does. Most of us have come to Overeaters Anonymous as a result of the constant defeat, frustration, and despair we experienced in our disease of compulsive overeating. We come to OA looking for a way out, a solution which will free us from the bondage, pain, and suffering of our affliction. The 12 steps, as outlined in the big book, represent a process of spiritual awakening, a roadmap of recovery, an inward rearrangement that actually transforms us. As the forward to the first edition states, we have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Yes, we are changed, transformed, transformed reborn if you will we are changed in the way we think the way we feel and especially in the way we behave and of course what distinguishes the 12-step process from self-help programs is that this change is done to us not by us yes it requires our cooperation and it works it really does Joining us today to share her extraordinary story of recovery is Nancy P, a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Nancy is an enthusiastic member of Overeaters Anonymous and a vision for you, and she's eager to share her story with us today. Welcome to the line, Nancy.
1: Thanks so much, Leah, and um good morning to everybody on the line. My name is Nancy P. I'm from the greater Boston area and I'm going to be sharing my story today so yeah my um i have to say that my early years i was always fascinated with food i might not have been a compulsive overeater but i was the daughter of two and the granddaughter of one of another compulsive overeater and i you know food was always sort of you know front and center in our house um a little tiny little bit of background my um um, my mother um, joined OA in 1966. Um, Roseanne started it in LA in 1960, and a woman named Bernice S. moved from LA to Massachusetts in 1966, and she um, put an ad in our local paper asking if you couldn't stop eating or something like that. And my mother answered that ad, so I really grew up with OA. I wasn't even in first grade, um, and you know, my mother went through the house like a like a tornado and took out every speck of flour, sugar, and anything that, you know, a little girl might want to eat, but it didn't matter. I still, you know, got into food here and there, stole food. I went on play dates when I was a little, you know, in preschool, and I remember one, one girl, I went to her house and asked, can we have something to eat, and she screamed out to her mom, you know, can we have something to eat, and the mother said, who wants to know, and we looked at each other. And my friend said, "Me, but I you know it's over fifty years later, and I still remember the shame of being caught um, and I never have forgotten that and that that's just one example of sort of how I was obsessed with food um and my my own weight you know i I couldn't um control my my weight, and my weight started to climb and so in nineteen seventy one I went to my first o a meeting, the grown up meeting, you know. Because there wasn't, there weren't any young people's meetings then, and um, I was only eleven, and um, everybody thought I was adorable because I was the youngest person that they knew, and you know, I didn't really want to. They were just my mother's dumb friends. I didn't want to be involved in them, and they didn't have anything to offer me. But you know, I, I'd go in and I'd go out. I asked my mother to be my sponsor. My sister, you know, we all asked each other. We didn't know, you know, and um, then they started um, uh, children's. Meeting and they wrote a children's format, which I still have and um you know I was in and out I tried i didn't ever lose any weight i didn't have any any acquaintanceship with you know they talked about God, who knew about God, who cared about God, nothing even touched me and um you know i I got bigger and bigger, and the um in 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 high school i i didn't feel comfortable, and so I ate more and I got you know i got into drugs and hung around. <clears throat> excuse me, hung around with people who the kindest thing that I could say about them today is that they weren't bound for college. And um, I remember losing my keys, and my parents changed the locks on our house because they thought we were going to get robbed. And um, you know, I was I would go babysitting, and I would do all the things that everybody else has ever talked about. You know, eat more than I then, you know, some polite portion, and then the parents would come home, and I'd say, oh, we were playing Monopoly, and we finished it, but really it was just me always, and I couldn't wait to get the kids into bed so that I could eat and search people's private areas and, and search for food, and I remember one time I was um, at a at a, my neighbor's house across the street babysitting, and two of my friends came over, and I was dying to get rid of them. I was complaining about my weight and saying, oh, you know, I'm I'm definitely gonna go on a diet and they said, you know, we commiserated and then they left and as soon as they left I dove into a box of donuts and then I heard them on the back porch spying on me and they ran off and I was humiliated. And I can't tell you how many times things like that happened. Um one of my, my best friend's mother said, Oh, you should go to diet workshop so I went to diet workshop and I, I was the star for a few weeks. I lost twelve pounds in three weeks and um I thought I was cured. And we all know how that ended up. And, um, you know, I I think of being in Diet Workshop as like going to the dry cleaner and putting a plastic bag, you know, taking out a nice new crisp blouse out of the dry cleaner bag. That's what it was like. But as soon as you put it on, it starts to wrinkle. And that's sort of what my life was like. You know, I went to Diet Workshop twice. And um, when I went off to college, I was fresh out of Diet Workshop. And I had, I was a little, a little thinner uh, in fact, I was actually thin. I was at a, at a normal weight, and I had my ID taken and um, proceeded to gain about 75 pounds before I graduated. In my senior year in college, I lost my ID, and I had to get a new picture taken. And the new picture looked like I had just gotten out of rehab or parole or both. And um, and that's the picture that I have today. My My cute little 18-year-old picture got lost, and now I have picture that's more precious to me because of what it shows me about where I was. And when I was in college, you know, the dining hall experience, I'd go and, you know, they had a huge salad bar and, you know, everything that you could ever need to, you know, maintain a, a, a good weight. But I would eat, you know, spaghetti, bread, french fries, cookies, ice cream, and a brand new product called frozen yogurt, and then get a tab so that I could keep my sugar down. And... They also delivered uh, pizza till 2 a.m. That was common for me and my friends, and um, also alcohol. The drinking age in Massachusetts back then was 18, so, you know, load us up, we drank, and we we ate. Um, Finally, in my senior year, um, things were really out of control. I was smoking two cartons of cigarettes a week, 20 packs of cigarettes a week, and um, I was just miserable, and so I called my mom, and I said, Please help me. And, you know, she never said a word of all those years, in and out of program. I tried to go when I was in college. I tried, but I never could get it. And she drove out to my college um, about a couple of hours away, and she had a big book with her. She had a scale and some measuring cups and a bunch of food, and she weighed out some meals for me. And then she had a meeting list, and we drove around where I went to college, and she showed me where the meetings were. And she did the best she could, and I was grateful and then of course, that didn't last very long and Then when I graduated um I came home, and i you know I was like over two hundred pounds, and I had to get a job, like no one was gonna hire me, so I worked three jobs um you know waitressing or hostessing rather in a restaurant, I worked at a hardware store and some other job, like just to get money to um to have and then lose, you know, lose weight and so when I was living at home, my mother uh weighed and measured all my meals, packed my lunch, and I went to a meeting every single day. But still no spiritual recovery at all. And um then I got a job and I was thin and I thought, you know, I still was going to a meeting every single day, so, you know, I thought that was it, you know. I, I didn't really make too many phone calls. But I went to meetings and I went to step meetings and I read that my big book, which I got in 1979, the year after I graduated from college. And um, I thought, oh, this is it. But I knew that it wasn't it because I knew that I didn't have this serenity that other people whose recovery I respected did have. But I tried, you know, I tried. And I managed, I shouldn't say managed, but I, I did manage to get married to a wonderful man who, um, who's absolutely bestowed upon me by my higher power because absolutely left to my own devices the two most important relationships, the two most significant relationships that I had. And this is abstinent, or thin, I should say. I don't care about abstinence. I mean, this is in a, in a right-sized body. One guy was a um, on parole out of a maximum security prison in Florida, two counts, 25 and 5 for drugs, and the other one was going to hit me and um those that was my best judgment. that was my best judgment. So when I think about you know the man that i 'm married to today, he is evidence that, in fact, I was being carried in spite of the fact that I thought that I was walking my own path, and you know sometimes when he doesn 't hop to it fast enough or or you know is insensitive to my tender feelings, I remember where I where I was going to be, absolutely, positively, if not those two guys, someone just like them. And so I am grateful every single day for my husband. And um, yeah, he's he's awesome, even though he's not perfect. So um, so then I get married, and I, um, I didn't want any kids because I was afraid they wouldn't like me if I had them. And, you know, that's like not a joke. I really was. And Um, I was afraid that I would be a bad mother, because I was impatient, and um, I don't care about anybody but myself, and I didn't understand about taking care of other people. I thought if I fed you well, or if I spent money, or spent time, that that was um, good enough. And, um, you know, so life progressed, and I had my employment history, I always managed to have a good job, and... Um, I ended up taking eight years off when my kids were born, when my son was born. I um, I was very sick with morning sickness when he was born, when, when I was pregnant with him. So I quit my job, and, and then I didn't go back to work until my daughter was in kindergarten. And um, I've worked for the same guy for almost 11 years, and I just, like last week, decided that I was going to leave that job. But more on that later. Anyway, so I went up and down and up and down, and then um, I had a few catastrophes in my life, and then I have a, uh, had a sponsor who I've known for decades, and she said that um, about 15 years ago, 16 years ago, actually, no, about about 18 years ago, she said that she was trying this new thing called Big Book Step Study, and I was like, oh, that that sounds pretty good, and we talked about it. She talked about it just gently here and there for about a year, and I finally said, you know, I think I'll try that Big Book Step Study thing. And I went through the process, and I spent three years writing, six nights a week for one hour for my fourth step, because everybody talks about their fourth step and how it's like this baby that has to be birthed. And I um, thought, okay, I'm going to have the biggest, best, most thorough fourth step ever in the world. And so I wrote this 550-page tome, and it didn't take. And I ate for 13 more years until, you know, until uh, until another catastrophe happened and i can tell you that in this big book you know i've read it i've gone to big book meetings and it's very uplifting when you read it but if you don't live it it's not going to have any or, or since i didn't live it it didn't have any lasting effect but i did like i did like the reading because it really speaks to me as a compulsive overreader and um yeah i i never nothing ever happened because i never took any action and um you know i was in gaining weight for because i'm a compulsive overeater and i have this great job i have this great family i have a you know i live in a nice neighborhood i you know we're we're not wealthy but we're you know comfortable and um still i was eating all the time and then the axe fell and my daughter um told me that she was cutting and burning herself and I, I, I can hardly talk about it now, you know, without crying. But I can say that um, that was that was a disaster for me. I I couldn't outrun my fear and my pain and my rage by eating, and trust me, I tried. I tried hard, and I know that other people on this line. I've heard them speak about their their history, and you know, I know that you all know how how we all tried, and I tried pretty hard. I, I wasn't even chewing my food. I would tear off by a dozen donuts, and I'd stuff them into my mouth whole. My throat hurt from swallowing food that hadn't even been chewed. I couldn't get from my my house to my office without stopping at once or twice for a 20-minute drive, and then I couldn't. When I parked in my in the parking garage where I work, I would have food in my car, and I would take it out of my car and, and go into the elevator um, you know, where the elevator was, and there would be a trash can there, and I'd throw out the trash, and I'd dust my hands off and say, it's like it never happened, and, and then I would get out, you know, onto the ground level, and I'd walk to my, my office from the parking garage, and um, there were these cafes on campus, and, um, and I, um, and I couldn't, I couldn't even get to my desk without stopping for a couple of, I don't know, bagels or donuts or scones or something, and um and and that's what it was like, and, and it got much worse when my daughter started um, self-harming, and um, I was sitting, I picked them up from school every day, and I was there in high school, my daughters, and they're both in high school, my son's graduating, my daughter's a junior, and I was picking them up from school one day, and my, you know, I had been eating all afternoon, and my hands were sticky, and my steering wheel was sticky, and my clothes were covered with crumbs, and my teeth were sticky, and I was crying, and I called a friend, and um, she said, oh, you must be, I haven't talked to you in so long, and I said, well, I hope we're still friends, and she said, oh, you must be calling about vision, I said, well, and she said, let me tell you about it, and she started to talk about um, this new thing, and I burst into tears, and she said, what is it, what is it, and I said, you know, I told her the whole thing, and she didn't say a word about my daughter. And she's like my go-to person. You know, when I was pregnant with my son, I got a a test result back that was slightly elevated for a non-life compatible condition. Everything turned out fine. But I was, of course, desperately frightened as a pregnant woman with her first child. And I called this woman and she sort of talked me in off the ledge. So she's like my go-to person. And I told her the whole, you know, truncated story about what was happening. And she didn't say anything about that she said you know i haven't picked up in four and a half years and so that got my attention and she gave me the number and i it wasn't thanksgiving so i called after thanksgiving but before december 1st or actually i called on december 1st of um, 2018 as uh, 2017 rather and um you know by the grace of god my obsession was lifted that day and you know, but that, all that history, you know, I mean, I tried everything, you know, with and, you know, how it says we, with and without a solemn oath. I tried t- throwing myself on the ground, begging God to help me with and without tears, new sponsor, different meetings, more meetings, fewer meetings, different food plan, anything that you can imagine, any contortion of tools and people that I could think of, except for surgery, I tried, and, I, and none of it worked. And so, you know, when that issue with my precious girl. You know, I ate to bury my feelings and she cut herself open to let them out. Sorry. But um but my friend helped me. And um I listened, I called in and I listened and everybody that spoke gave some angle of the same story for me, that I have. You know, they had pain with their children or their pain with their spouse or pain with their life, pain with their spouse, whatever it is. And everybody has pain, and all of it is just as valid as everybody else's. And you know, we all um we all react we all react differently to different kinds of pain, but all of us have pain. And you know, mine to me You know, it was the final straw. You know, I had been tapped on the shoulder. Hello, you know, hello, time to, like, surrender. And I ignored it because maybe I was thin or maybe I was too angry or maybe I was just too deep into the food. But um, that issue around my daughter was like a two-by-four across the face. That was, you know, forced to my knees. I've said this on the line. That was a violent surrender. I could not outrun my fear and my pain and my rage with food, and and I tried, and and it didn't work. And so, you know, knees, handcuffed behind the back, blindfolded with a gun to my head, do you surrender now, Nancy? And the answer was yes, and just a little Jewish humor, why are you being so mean to me? (laughs) And, you know, like, I get it, okay, I get it, finally. And so once I was stripped bare of everything, what happened to me was I realized that it only hurts until you surrender. And once you embrace change, it begins to feel good. And that is what happened to me. I um, I listened for a couple of weeks on the line, two hours a day for maybe two weeks, and then I started taking numbers. And um, I got, you know, maybe her, maybe her, you know, taking numbers down and listening. And then I heard a couple of people that never gave their numbers for sponsors. And I wrote their numbers down, and I texted them both. And I, the first one that called me back, um, she said, you know, that she had time, and, and she took me through the steps. And, you know, how did I know that vision was going to work? And the answer is that I didn't, because, like, I had done all those other things, you know. I had gone to big book step study, and it didn't take. I thought, you know, I thought that was going to be the magic bullet but that didn't work, and you know I had done all these other things. I had gone to, you know, the Boston area has a lot to answer for, at least for me. I mean, this is where Food Addicts Anonymous was born. This is where, um, you know, abstinent re- abstinence requirements to share at meetings was born. And you know, I don't. I tried to do those things. You know, maybe I'd get a few weeks or a few months, and I'd be able to share. And you know, and 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 then I'd get. I went to an A wall, one of these closed groups, and you know, you if you you can't if you break your abstinence you can't stay and so I'd lose my absence, I'd get kicked out. I don't need anybody's help to feel like I don't make the grade, you know, (laughs) like I don't need institutionalized Overeaters anonymous to make me feel like I don't, you know, make it don't make the cut. And and so I felt I personally felt bullied. I know many people got a lot out of that, but I did not. I did not. I always felt like, you know, my mom used to always say, If abstinence is all you've got, you don't have much and I thought that must be true, because it felt like it was right, yet I didn't even have that. So I would have sold my soul just to be absent, just to have what those women had. And they all seemed so happy, and they were always at meetings, you know, hug, hug, kiss, kiss. Oh, so good good to see you. I'm so glad. Oh, yeah, we're going to go to the meeting together. Oh, yeah, I, I saw you there, and I meant to say hi. And I thought to myself, how come them and not me, you know? And I was jealous and angry and and sulking because they didn't know what a jewel i was but who would come near me you know my my face my my demeanor was going you know, like wearing a big sign saying stay away and stay far away so i you know 40 almost 50 years in program and i have about 10 friends <laughs> or i had about 10 friends now i have lots because i because i've opened up a little bit but um you know so i so i'm in vision and i and i get a sponsor, and um, and she's pretty um, focused, I would say. She's pretty laser focused on the steps, and she's not um, in, she's not emotionally attached to my problems. She's only um, was there to guide me through the steps. And so, you know, I used to wake up in bed, and I would know before I even woke up. I would say to myself, either I'm definitely not going to eat today, or I hope I don't eat today, or. I wonder if I'll eat today or it looks like I'm gonna to eat today. One of those four questions and um like Passover, right? So um so no matter usually no matter what, I would eat something. I couldn't stay away from whatever. I couldn't stay away from an extra bite and so I thought, Oh my god, I'm never gonna get this and so I start with my sponsor and she starts in, you know, just like you know, studying the steps and and we covered them, and, and we're going through, and I said to her as though, you know, we're approaching the fourth step, and I, and I thought, this is never going to work for me. It just isn't, and I should tell her. And so I whispered to her, I'm in my bedroom with the door closed, and I said, you know, I don't think I'm gonna. it's going to work for me, you know, like I'm confessing to reading porn. <laughs> and she said, why not? And I said, because I don't think I believe in I'm not sure I believe in it. And she said, oh, well, you haven't had a spiritual awakening yet, so don't worry about it. And that never occurred to me because, you know, when I read this book, um, everybody, you know, now I read it like at the end of there is a solution where it says, yes, I am one of them too, I must have this thing. I see now that it says they're identifying as that they have the disease of alcoholism. When I read that, I thought to myself, Yes, I'm one of them. I must have this thing, this recovery thing, this new thing, this higher power thing. And, you know, I get to decide, right? The only thing that I have to accept completely and absolutely is that I'm powerless over food and that my life is unmanageable. You know, check for that. Everything else to me, and this is just for me, for Nancy P., is open to interpretation. So I get to decide what that means. And that's what I decided that meant, is that I desperately want the recovery. And... um so we go through the steps and you know every single word in this book is amazing and insightful and 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 it counts and um but i decided that that's what that meant and so we're going through and i'm chugging along and i'm having you know like doing okay and what i found is that <clears throat> you know Things come up again and again, as it says, when these come up. I mean, all that stuff is true, but the reality for me is like, you know, certain, I wrote down my alcoholic foods when my sponsor told me to do that, and that, by the grace of God, was the only thing that I did without guidance that was 100% honest. You know, and I'll give you an example. I, um, I wrote down, you know, the usual culprits, sugar and flour, but I also can't have anything with nuts in them at all and so i wrote that down but nuts don't have sugar or flour in them so you know but i wrote that down like that had to be the hand of god because if i hadn't written that down i wouldn't it wouldn't have worked for me so um i once i became completely abstinent from everything including you know, six degrees of separation, like nothing that can be made with sugar can go into my food that's been prepared. And I almost feel like nothing that's grown near anything that could be sugar, you know, could even, you know, go into my food. I mean, I really have been quite um, strict about that or quite, um, I've adhered to that. And so what I found is that over the, over this past 15, 16 months now, that um, I really didn't, need to shed anything it sort of just sheds itself and i'll give you another example that my um i i'm an excellent cook and baker like unbelievable and um i make a very good caesar salad and i i never checked the dressing and um i never checked the ingredients because i knew that it you know like garlic and anchovies don't, you know. So then I checked the Worcestershire sauce. Ooh, it has sugar in it. And I said, Oh, I wish I hadn't checked. Ooh, maybe I'll just do it this one time and I, I'll pretend that I didn't and of course I didn't eat it. And I said, you know, I'll find if I can't find a workaround, I'll just give it up. And, you know, I ended up finding a workaround. But I'll tell you something else. Another example is I used to love sushi and when I found I went out with my daughter once and we had sushi and I began to feel afraid And I called my sponsor. I like I had broken my abstinence, but I hadn't. And I checked with the waiter, and everything was fine. And I called my sponsor. I said, "I don't know what happened. I think I made a mistake." And she said, "Yeah, I don't, I don't personally eat it, but I've heard that they use sugar in the rice to make it stickier." And I said, "Oh, okay. Well, I guess I won't eat it anymore." Now that might sound like no problem, but that I, I that would be the same as saying, "Hmm, I write with my right hand, so I might as well cut my left hand off." And yet. I threw, you know, I I shed that as casually as I toss my purse on the table when I get home from work. And all of my struggles with food have been like that. Food no longer, the problem of that no longer exists. However, everything else in my life is alive and well. All of my other problems are alive and well. My daughter, thank God, is not hurting herself anymore, but she's not out of the woods. Um, I slowly, you know, when we got to the through the steps and we got to the end, you know, towards the end where it says it works, it really does. I we said it together. I said this is unbelievable. I've never felt like this before. And then we both my sponsor and I both said it together on the phone, it, you know, spontaneously, it works. It really does. And I can say that um my um my recovery You know, I've shed my prejudice. I've, you know, those who came to scoff might remain to pray. I scoffed about everything because I already knew everything, you know? I mean, I thought that OA was like a a store that you could walk in and look at the stuff on the walls and say, there's nothing here that I'm interested in buying, you know, and then walk right out again. Um, That's what I thought because I thought, oh, I've been around it for so long. You know, my pedigree, if you forgive the term, is platinum. I mean, you know, I have to say that you know, my, I spent hours talking to my mom when she was alive, and um, she would say, you know, the, the desire to eat compulsively has been lifted. It's been removed. And I I didn't even, she might have as well have been speaking Chinese. I didn't even know what that meant. I couldn't even fathom it. But the desire to eat has been removed, and the problem does not exist for me. However, all of my other problems still exist, <laughs> all of them. And um, But the good news for me is that I don't, spend any time wondering about whether i'm going to be able to get through it i mean i drove down to all of the hospitalizations and the the um residential programs that my daughter was in last summer sobbing and crying saying i don't want this i don't want this or saying i don't know how to pray i don't know anything about prayer i'm the worst prayer praying person in on on the history of the planet i don't know how to do it but I know that, for me, I can say, I trust you, that's a prayer, and, and and it works. And when I have to make amends to other people, I don't pray and say, oh, I wish that she has everything that she wants in life. What I say is, um, she's taught me to be a better worker, or that person has taught me how to be a better um, member of this community, or, you know, I've learned from that person. That's my prayer. and and I get to decide, you know, I get to decide what my higher power is, and, and, you know, I used to think that God was like a drop-down menu, and, you know, Catholic God, Jewish God, Buddhist God, Hindu God, Baha'i God, you know, Protestant God, and none of them made me feel comfortable, but the only way out of this mess that I was in was through my higher power, and so I, decided i got to think outside the box. i got to find a workaround for what I always believed or what I never could believe, more accurately. And so I tore everything up, and I decided, what do I want, just like my sponsor said, what do I want God to do for me, and what do I want God to be? Well, I want to be um, a better wife, a better mother, a better friend, a better worker, a better member of my community. I want all those things, and I want to be able to Love other people, or at least have love and tolerance be my code. That's what I want. And so, I decided that all of that stuff, the desire for that, was going to be my higher power. Right? I get to decide, nobody else. And so, you know, I decided that I could wake wake that up, wake that that amalgam of things i could wake it up inside of me and that would be where my higher power lives and um and it's there all the time and so i can i can lean on it and i can ask for help and and i can say that the things you know (laughs) self-seeking will slip away i never ever thought that i would be um not self-seeking and i can say that i'm still pretty you know not perfect i'm still pretty not very good but i'm stumbling along in the right direction and um i'm always open to suggestion and i have people that i call and um you know i've managed to um get through all of this all of the stuff with my daughter i've I've given up foods that I never thought I could. I mean, that to me, even mentioning that is embarrassing because, you know, to me that's like the least significant. But it used to be the most significant because it was the first thing that stood in the way of my um, stepping into the sunlight of the spirit. And um, so, you know, I'm chugging along and, and had a few little roadblocks. I mean, you know, um, living through them, you know, living through my marriage, consider, consist, cons uh um still living through my marriage, you know. Um 31 years this May and um happy in my marriage and um and then I um I I've been working for my boss as I said for it'll be 11 years in April and um I decided that um you know, my job, I got this uh we went to we went from the university to a to a startup and um I got brought along and they paid me a lot of money and um, quite a lot of money and gave me options and everything. And it's, I'm failing. I'm not failing, but I'm, I'm not happy and I'm, I'm stressed out and it's awful, but I have a kid going into college and another one right behind and what am I going to do? And, um, you know, I've had some issues at work and so, um, you know, they're, they're on the mend, but I'm, I'm afraid. And fear to me isn't, it's just what they say. It's an evil and corroding thread. And it's starting to poison the rest of my life. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm 59 years old. How am I going to get another job? I needed as much money and as I ever, you know, as this job. And um, I decided that I don't. And so I told my boss that um, I can't work there anymore. And he's so good to me that he said that. Instead of me quitting, he's going to fire me and give me like a year's salary, almost a year's salary, and and give me the recommend his words, not mine, the recommendation you deserve after ten years of service to me. And um, so, you know, I have been carried. You know, I don't like it because I wanted to stay, but it's not right. You know, I can't. I don't want to be in that environment. And. I called my sponsor, and I said, I called other people, and I said, this is what I'm going to do, and, you know, I got excellent counsel, and um, my sponsor said to think about God as being my employer, and think about, you know, how I can best serve God, and I am so grateful, you know, I know that, I mean, I still have a job, I still am going to go to work tomorrow, and I still you know but it's so gentle it's so loving i don't you know i'm not like violently leaving i i love them all but i can't stay and and um my boss saved saved me from myself he's going to fire me so that i can get a fantastic severance package and still get my stock like how nice is that and um you know today the fellowship is that i found here i've opened myself up a little and you know Rather than dismissing anybody who didn't agree with me, um, I now listen and I call people. When I'm having a hard time, you know, I turn my attention resolutely to someone I can help. And yesterday I made a bunch of phone calls and I didn't talk about my thing at work at all. I didn't mention it. And um, and I listened to other people and what they were going through. And I was grateful that I could I could listen and I could tell them, you know, that they were great and that they were... You know that that they were working a good program and and I could be available to listen and um you know, I can't tell you you know abstinence used to be you know because of where you know this area where i where I sort of live and have lived my whole life um, the you know, they talk a lot at meetings about abstinence being the most important thing without, in my life without exception. And I thought to myself, surely my children are more important than that. I don't know. I mean, surely something else is. And today I can say that, you know, I try to live the steps. I try every day. I try hard. And um, and I fail every day. But I, I mean, I fail some every day. But I succeed some every day. And so what happens is, um, you know, I get better. Someone in this program, in, in Vision, I was ta- call, talking to on the phone once said that if I don't get on my knees, I'm never going to get better. I'm never going to recover, and you know that sort of set me back. But you know, I didn't say anything. That's the first miracle. I didn't, and I didn't. It didn't stay with me. I mean, I remember it, but I chose not to believe it because I get to decide, right? I get to decide whatever I want, and it's like what it says in in the book, you know. Um, God steers, you know. And sometimes, you know, God steers, but I row. And sometimes I say, hey, I think I'll steer. And God says, be my guest, just know that I don't row. And so, you know, if I want to take my will back and steer and row, I'm going to row in circles. (laughs) But, you know, luckily I have people that when I want to lie to myself or when I want to be dishonest, I have people that I can say this is what I think and they'll be like that doesn't sound very honest or you know where's god in this and so you know the things that I thought I would never ever ever be able to give up have shed I've shed them along with the pounds you know I've shed my self-seeking I now I mean I still am can be very self-seeking but you know I'm aware and I and I move in the right direction and um you know I can I can do um a lot now that i never thought i'd be able to do and i used to think this is never going to work ever but what i now realize and i tell my sponsors this i'm not special if i follow these directions precisely and there's, they're very precise right 164 pages of, of direction they're very precise there's a lot of direction so if you follow them precisely you know since i did i get what they promise and and i'm only at the very beginning i've only done this since december of 2017 i'm not even 18 months in and i feel like a million bucks in spite of the fact that i have some in my opinion for me you know not for everybody you know i've had some pretty rough experience in in the in the immediate past since i even started and um you know all the things all the old tapes from you know go home Nancy nobody wants to play with you or you know we're going to have to let you go from this position we're going to have to re reorganize you because you can't get along with people all that stuff is is you know aligned and um you know I don't nobody tells me to leave anymore but um and I make friends and I've I've allowed myself to be um taught by other people and I've allowed myself to um you know to to listen and learn and i got to say um i'm going to close now but um i'm going to say that um that the of all the things that um i've gotten out of vision you know i used to be in until quite recently you know i once i started sharing i shared every day and then they said um try not to share if you if you haven't you know if you have try not to share for, except for a couple of days, every couple of days. And at first I was like, Ooh, I don't like that because I'm so, I want to, you know, share my wisdom, share my, you know, shout from the rooftops. But, um, you know, that's been profound. I've listened to other people and I've found more recovery. It's more for me. You know, we talk about being self-seeking and, you know, with my job thing, that's really painful, that's really painful, 11 years with this guy, you know. I mean, he's, I mean, in some ways I'm closer to him than I am to my husband. One time he was in his office and I was trying to tell him something and he was looking at his phone I said, put the phone away. If I want to be treated like that, I'll go home and talk to my real husband. And, um, you know, we have like a really close relationship and, and I, it, I have to let him go. It's clear to me. And so that's like being born again. And being born is hard work. I think that's why babies sleep all the time, because they've just been born, and it's hard to be born. And I'm being born again now. And, you know, as long as I don't um, pick up any extra food, then I'm convinced, you know, as a data-driven person, I'm convinced the data show me that I'm going to be okay. And, um, you know, I don't share every day, and that's forced me to listen to other people. And then I found out that they don't, you know, I recently discovered that they don't, um, send out the newcomer list anymore. And that pissed me off and made me mad because that was instrumental. When I first got into vision um, in the summer of 2018, um, I called every single newcomer every single day. And that helped me a lot. And now, I have to find other ways, and that's that's the beauty of it. I mean, I spent my life wanting to be places, not get there and Today, I know that the journey itself is the destination and so you know, yes, i'm trudging a road this road of <laughs> of destiny um and but I have people along the way that i've met that are close, that are willing to help me, that are eager to help me, that are will do anything to help me and i've um I went to the um birthday party in January and I'm going to go to the convention in November and um offer service and you know I sponsor and um you know I know that God isn't finished with me and I still I have to work on my that belief that knowledge um every single day I I think of it like is you know my my um spiritual awakening you know today from this is just for me I get to decide um you know I have a job that a kid out of college couldn't do what a, you know, they need experience. And so that's, to me, my spiritual awakening is like my college degree, like my bachelor's degree. And every day that I live this life, I gain experience. It's it's a subtle difference. But to me, that's what makes the most sense. And, um, you know, I'm not special. I'm not at all. And um, I, I promise anybody on this line that's listening if it will work for me, I know everybody says that, but they're all liars. No, they're not all liars, but I can't believe that they could have the same experience as me. Um, if it will work for me, there's there's no reason that it won't work for anybody else. And when I said to my sponsor yesterday about this job thing, I said, you know, through all of this pain and, you know, with my daughter, I have not eaten one speck of food. And I'm still amazed. I said, have, you know, do you know what I mean? She, she said yeah i do she wasn't even surprised she said it's a miracle but not a mystery and that's true because b follows a right you do the steps and you get better and then food becomes not an issue it doesn't even enter my mind i mean i i eat a simple food plan i eat simply but um i don't i don't you know if something comes up that's not where i go and um I guess I'll take another minute or two just to talk about that. You know, I would have sold my soul to be to just be absent and be happy at meetings and to just have a few friends. Um, but I didn't need to do that, you know, or I couldn't do that at that time. And today, um, you know, abstinence is like the exhaust from the fuel. The fuel in my life is the steps. When I burn that fuel, I get a lot of things the exhaust pumps out abstinence, serenity, fellowship, um, you know, productivity. I'm no longer slothful, or I shouldn't say that because I know that my closet in my bedroom is a mess, and I've been saying for months that I need to clean it. But, you know, I'm not, I do things, I complete things, I, I, you know, I become better at everything. And I'm no, you know, fear is an evil and corroding threat, and it's been the guiding light, you know, the guiding thread in my life and and you know no longer i walk through my fear and i don't and i get through the other side it's it's amazing there's no way to describe it and when i when i stop doing things that are harmful to me as they are revealed to be harmful or not not in service of my higher power um i realize that 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 you know shedding them is like unconscious i don't have to work at it um you know, all of that stuff has been given to me um, without any effort on my part, just exactly as it says. There's nothing in this book that's a lie, and and I get to decide. It, you know, we're all scholars of this book, and we only um, can give as much away as we know ourselves. And so, you know, I've been, you know, my willingness to be um, taught by someone who knew better than me Has paid off handsomely. And um, every single thing that they say in this book has come true for me. Every single thing without exception. You know, I realized when my daughter, you know, there's nothing quite like putting bacitracin on your own kid's self inflicted wounds to make you realize that something else in your life is bigger. And, you know, I thought, I only thought that I had, you know, like just what it says I only thought I had come to you know believe you know i thought that god is everything or he is nothing you know i had another life event about 10 years ago or maybe 15 years ago my kids are getting older um, where you know i was brought up short and i was actually that was when i was working on my first go around in in this process when i was writing that big fourth step And, you know, I felt like it burned everything away, and God is either everything or he is nothing, which was my choice to be. Decide right now, Nancy. That wasn't enough for me. No, it wasn't. You know, and other things, you know, of that nature were not enough for me until, unfortunately, you know, my poor girl had to to do that to herself, had to find her own way out of her own pain. And like I said in the beginning, everybody has pain, and everybody's pain is just as valid as everybody else's. You know, I've listened to people on the line talk about, you know, broken relationships, lost relationships, death, you know, estrangement, financial crisis, you know, everything. And and I try to remember, I try to get right in there with them and think about how they feel because that, their pain is my pain. And... um you know pain is you know for me my rage wasn't enough you know my rage alienating other people wasn't enough and my fear wasn't enough but my pain finally brought me to my knees and when i when i finally gave up and surrendered this whole new world you know it's like a it's like it was a funnel i squeezed in the bottom of the funnel first and then that's you know then I was born right that's the birth canal I was born and then I came out into this huge huge opening of peace and serenity and love and tolerance and humility and I got to say that you know when when I realized that what a gift it was not to share every day on the on the seven o'clock meeting um, you know I realized that. Um, it's sort of a contradiction in terms to make me say, to say, it makes me feel humble. You know, I feel humble. But what I really feel is closer to my higher power because that's what God was saying to me, just to me, not to anybody else. And all the things that I've given up or changed or whatever it is, what it is is not that I'm giving them up. It's my higher power saying, stop, come close to me. I need you. And, you know, I, my answer back is thank you i'm here i'm not special but i'm i'm willing to try because you know somebody else said on this line once willingness is overrated that was the most profound thing i've ever heard desperation is what you need and i didn't have desperation that's a noun i was despairing i mean my state of mind was just in despair it was just in despair that's what it was and um today i don't feel that way even though there's plenty of stuff um that's going on in my life that's hard food the answer doesn't lie in the food nor does it lie in anything anything other than the steps and when they say that you know everything can be fixed by these steps that's the truth um i um i have to say that every single thing in my life that has happened and you know i can't think of anything more painful to happen to me than my daughter's um self harm other than if she died herself but i've heard other people on this line say that they've lost a child and yet they're still here and they're still happy and they're still joyous and free so there's nothing nothing that can't be solved no matter how far down we go. And by the way, I would like to say that the elevator only goes down for me. I mean, I had ample opportunity my entire life to get this program, ample, and I never could until until I did because anything that I ever tried worked until it didn't. And then when I really decided to get off the elevator, you know, and take the steps back up, that's exactly where I ended up, back up. And today I know that every single thing that happens is divinely inspired. I might not like it, but it's an opportunity to get closer to this higher power that I'm just now getting to know intimately. And um and I can't I can't think of a better gift. I mean, I'm so hopeful for the future. My, you know, my employment situation is scary to me, but um but it's not um but it's not the end of the line for me and um I want to thank Leah for inviting me to share and I want to thank all of you for listening to my um, not very smooth but I hope um it hoped I hope it helped somebody my share um and I hope that everybody has a a great day and um thank you very much that'll pass
0: Thank you, Nancy, for sharing your miraculous story of transformation with us today. It's certainly profound and has made a profound impact on my heart and I'm sure others as well, no doubt about that. Share ID for today's presentation, 12,642. That's one two six. Forward to. Nancy P's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. And we will now transition to a question and answer segment. You can pose a question by pressing star 1 to mute. I'll need your first name and, of course, your first letter of your last name as well.
2: Chala K Julia. from Boston.
0: <laughs> Perry.
3: Elizabeth C.
0: Carrie M. Julia. Elizabeth C. Okay, Elizabeth C., Terry M., Paula from Boston, Yes, Linda R., R.
2: Melissa C., C, Melissa
0: C., C. C, gotcha,
2: Cynthia C., C. Cynthia
0: C. (laughs) C., is that Terry C., is that what I'm hearing? Perhaps not. So thus far, I have Paula K., Elizabeth C., Terry M., Linda R., Melissa C., and Cynthia C. Who am I missing? Julia. Julie F., okay. Excellent. Okay, it'll be in that order again. Paula K., Elizabeth C., Terry M., Linda R., Melissa C., Cynthia C., Julie F. Is there a Tala K. as well?
2: Tara K. Hi, it's
0: Tala,
4: it's Sorry, so not it was Tala,
0: oh, excellent. Okay, got you. Okay, so yeah, perfect. it
4: was uh, Surrey C. Sorry.
0: Okay, excellent. Okay, Tala K., you're first up, followed by Elizabeth C. Everybody else, please mute. Thank you. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much, Nancy, for your share very moving and my question is would you mind sharing specifically how you connect with your higher power
1: hi thanks for the question yeah i um, i don't do a very good job i mean what i do is i you know i i do i mean i how do i connect i don't really know except to say that i um I don't, I started to pray, but I'm not very good at it, so I say, you know, if something comes up in my life, I say, help me to get through this. I mean, I don't really have a quiet time. I think about the big book a lot. I think about my friends that I talk to a lot. I run things by people all the time. I don't sit and stew in my own juices. I don't really, I'm I'm not really very good at like I said, I'm a work in progress. I don't really um I don't have a set way to do it. I you know, there was this in the in the early days, um, here when OA first started, we had to go to AA, my not we, I was six years old. My mother had to go to AA to get um people to help and there was this guy, um, named John the Indian and um he helped her, helped the women that started these meetings and um, he said he was a painter, and he, my parents hired him to paint, do some painting in our house. And he said to me at one point um, that, this is years later when I was more adult, adult and he said, you know, um, prayer and meditation, he had been sober for 27 years at that point. And he said that, um, the last two years he really started to focus more on prayer and meditation, his his sobriety got much better than it had the first twenty five years and I said, Well when do you do it? And he said, Oh, I do it any time. I do it when I'm hanging paper and or I'm painting or I'm in the car and that's sort of what I do. I mean, I don't I get out of bed in the morning and um you know, I have people that I talk to almost on a daily basis that they're like, oh, you know, I have to get up early in the morning to do my praying and i got to do this. And, you know, I get up and I pretty much hit the ground running. And even though I want to be, um, um, you know, have time set aside, I'm not quite there yet. But I'm not frightened about that because I know that eventually I'll get to a point where it's going to become, like, more, not, I wouldn't say important, but it's going to become more intrusive that, that there's a lack. And so I'll take care of it then. So it's not... Like I'm not a very good prayer meditator, but I try, and one other thing that I do that I've started doing is I have my my phones. What would we have do without our phones? I set my alarm twice a day and I do a five minute break and I go to a an office and you know or empty room where i work and i um and I do a mindfulness um guide guided tour or guided you know I listen to a mindfulness thing that's five minutes long, you know just google it and um yeah, that's pretty much I'm not a very good I'm not I'm not religious at all and um um but I do the best I can and so I just I slog along. That's why I, I mean I'm like pretty pretty bad at it, but I try.
3: Sounds beautiful.
0: Thank you.
1: Thank you, Tala k thank you.
0: Elizabeth C. Star one ten mute.
3: Okay. I'm sorry. It took me a while. Um, I'm Elizabeth C. from Florida. I just want to say how much hope you have given me, Nancy. I thought in 1982 um, that I had had my experience of, of desperation and I had some recovery and I had transformation through the steps, but I am not there yet, and I know then I just... I need to expect that there will be some time when that gift of desperation will come. But in the meantime, I just want to tell you, you've offered me so much hope. And, and the thing that stuck out with me is I have been binging for the last two weeks while I've been abstinent from sugar, I have been binging on walnuts. And nobody ever, when I've listened in program all these many years, has said anything about nuts, and it's, it's where I'm at right now. It's the thing that I'm running to, and um, I just want to thank you for that and for telling me there, there is the hope to be reborn and there is the hope that going through these steps again um, will bring me to that deeper level of recovery. So thank you so very much, and, and God bless you. Thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: Thanks very much, Elizabeth C. Terry M., your question, please.
5: This is Terry.
0: Yes, can you hear me? I hear you well. Your question, please. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes, and thank you, Leah and Nancy, for being trusted servants, away trusted servants. My question, Nancy, thank you, is do you get on your knees to pray? I, I heard you start talking about it, but I didn't hear.
1: What, oh, hi, thanks. Great question, Terry. No, I do not, and and it's funny. Um, I, I wasn't raised that way, and I don't feel comfortable. And that's, you know, I thought, oh, I'm never going to get it if I don't get on my knees. In fact, I think I said on the phone, yeah, somebody, someone said, oh, if you don't get on your knees, you're never going to get better, and I thought, I just can't believe that. I just refuse to believe that you know i i refu- i luckily I would had enough um exposure to people on this line you know and other people that are recovered, you know saying that they did a lot of different things. nobody ever said that they don't get on their knees, but I do not I don't feel comfortable and and but at the same time, like I get to decide what my higher power is, right it says decide. You know what? What do you want God to do for you, and what do you want God to be? So I got to decide. And it says, you know, it says, you know, in the book it says, Spirit of the Universe, Creative Intelligence, whatever. That's when I decided that I was going to throw away everything that I that I knew, or that I thought, or that I had ever been exposed to, and think if I was going to be really, really creative, and and write down what it was that I wanted. What did I want? ought to be you know and it's funny you know i have to say that i say this to my sponsees about the existence of a higher power you know once it's sort of like sherlock holmes i don't know if anybody reads sherlock holmes but you know i grew up on that stuff detective stories and they still use this they call it the holmesian method in police departments around the world once you've and what he said was once you've um considered all of the facts, and discounted the impossible. Whatever's left, however improbable, must be the truth. So when I thought, you know, what is God? What's impossible? Well, a fairy godmother with a wand, you know, like in Cinderella, that's not, that's impossible. But this thing that they talk about, that this this thing, that this spiritual thing, that's, you know, my knowledge showed me that it was improbable. But because everything else that I had tried didn't work, then I decided that must be the truth right so so, with that in mind, I just decided that I could decide what God was. it was my my God, only mine, not yours, not anybody else's i'll share, but it's still mine and um so I decided that i didn't have to get on my knees, you know, I can still swear if I want, I can still you know you know talk like a truck driver a sailor I can do that i can I can you know. I can not do my laundry, you know, I can do whatever I want. I can, you know, but I don't but you know, I don't have to get on my knees. And and once I released myself of that responsibility, that was another thing that opened another door. So, you know, most or not most, but many people feel comfortable doing that. That that their religion they were raised that way or they just feel comfortable just because but you know, I don't need to prove anything. my higher power my higher power already knows me inside out so getting on my knees if it doesn't make me feel comfortable why would a loving god say no you have to do that the answer to me is no that's not what a loving god would say a loving god would say are you close to me do you want to be close to me i need you do you want to be close to me that's what my loving god says and i desperately want to be close to my higher power so no i don't get on my knees and i and and the freedom from that is unquantifiable (laughs) that's to me because I thought I was a failure for you know 40 years that I couldn't get on my knees 45 years 46 years you know so I hope that thank you
0: you you gave me the answer I wanted (laughs) thank you Terry M Linda R your question please
2: Hi, this is Linda. You know, just Linda, I'm, I'm going to pass. I'm sorry. I came in late, so um, I thought you were just taking up names and numbers for the meeting. I'm in
0: another meeting where they just take everybody's names and numbers. Okay, excellent. Thank okay, you I'll very pass. much. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Melissa C., your turn.
5: Hi. Good morning. Thank you, Leah. Um, Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. Thank you so much, Nancy. Um, and, um, you know, just really excited listening to you, um, you know, walking this walk, having, you know, difficulties that we share together. Um, you, you talked, there were two questions I had. One was, um, at what point, at what step did you really begin to feel feel the nearness of your creator? I think that would be helpful for people who are struggling, you know, who, who are like to know how, how quickly or maybe slowly it came for you this time, we're working the steps. And the other question was, you mentioned um, a format that you had had um, access to, which was for kids. And I would just be really curious if that was something you'd be able to maybe share. Thank you.
1: Sure. Um, thank you, Melissa. And um, yeah, so feeling the nearness of my creator, that's really like almost drilled down to the very close to the center of who I, you know, who I want to be as a recovered woman. And, you know, you sort of, or me, when I, you know, like, first of all, when I stopped, when the obsession was lifted immediately and has never come back, um, that was awesome. But that was, that that's, I've been, you know, I've, I've had, like, periods where I didn't eat, and so I sort of felt the same. So when I felt the nearness of my creator, I would say, really was was um I was driving south on ninety five on my way to see my daughter crying and um and, and I didn't think about eating and I didn't eat anywhere around that and so, you know, there I can't say that like, you know, that was like a small moment, maybe twenty four hours in time. But that's when I really began to feel carried, and i and I extended that you know um that feeling that I began to see God's hand, you know what first turned seemed to be a thin reed turned out to be the strong and loving hand of God, like it says um, I began to see that that was like a that was like a thin reed, and I grabbed onto it and it it grew in my hand to be uncontainable like it's thick and strong now like i don't even though i'm i'm you know i've said this many times on the phone and many times you know to anybody who will listen i'm really bad at at praying and meditating and doing anything except following these steps and continuing to try and and so that the fact that i that i i didn't Not only didn't I eat, but that I really surrendered. The actual, the the surrender happens on a daily basis, but it's the same surrender. That's when I felt it the most when I was on Route 95, and I had to surrender again, the same surrender. Even though I had been absent for months, you know, or, you know, basically through the steps and had been starting to sponsor. Um, You know, I had recovered that's when i felt the nearness of my creator the first time and and i've that's what i've nurtured since then that feeling of surrender i don't like it you know as i've said on the phone i don't like to surrender but that's what you know i've been that's what i've been dished up and so i'm going to i'm going to eat it i hate to use the <laughs> dished up and eating <laughs> analogy and then the other um tell me the other question again
5: Hi, I unmuted. Um, I, yeah, I unmuted about the format that you had had. For- oh,
1: yeah, I, I can share that. Yeah. That's a um, that was on brown construction paper with yellow O A on it, <laughs> and they just rewrote the f- tools. I mean, I was only maybe seven, um, but I was a good reader. So I, you know, I was. They didn't just take a. I mean, barely any pamphlets have had been written then, you know, they my mother um was the um literature coordinator for the entire northeast of the United States, but there were not that many meetings because it hadn't even reached New York yet. In fact, I went to the I think it was the second um um OA convention in the in the Catskills at the old Concord um resort and somebody at um at at our table said um it had OA had not reached New York yet, but they had they found that um, they found that place to have this convention, and they said, "Boy, OA is going to be big when it reach, reaches New York. There's a lot of fat people here." And um, you know that <laughs> was sort of like the joke, but <laughs> but you know, like there wasn't any, there was almost no literature written back then. So I have that little pamphlet that I can I can take pictures of and show it to you if you want. I'll be happy to text it to you.
0: Hey,
5: thank you.
1: Thanks,
0: Melissa C. Cynthia
2: C, your question. This is Cynthia C. May I be heard? Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Leah, so much for your service. Um, and, Nancy, thank you so very much for your share today and your qualification. Um, I heard so much um, humility and growth. I'm from the Newton area and have been to the meeting that you set up here, and um You know, and I've been doing a vision for you and haven't been to a lot of face-to-face meetings lately because my schedule hasn't allowed me to, but um, it's really good to hear you here. Um, You talked a lot about, you know, humility and a lot about letting go of control. Um, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about what it meant to you um, to, I guess, like, you know, step six and seven, let go of your character defects. Um, and, And if in program you needed to change your food plan like you talked about letting go of certain foods sushi and some other foods but um you know have you had to shift your food plan since you've been in you know since you've been in recovery this time around and and i guess yeah letting go of food letting go of your character defects i'd I'd love to hear more about that if, if you would thank you very much
1: Sure, excellent question and one that um is another opportunity for me to gain some humility. So I'll I'll tell you one thing about change my changing my character defects. Now I talked briefly about swearing like a truck driver. Um I'm 59 years old and I am fairly well-read and I'm, you know, fairly well-spoken and yet I can never um think of anything to say without an expletive at work, and it's obnoxious, and I decided, and it's, it was starting to affect my relationships with other people, and um, in fact, I'd been spoken to about it, and not about the language itself, but I was yelling at somebody on um, on the phone, and um, my sponsor spanked me and said, um, you know, who do you think you are? <laughs> you know, you're not going to have a tantrum, and I thought, oh, you know, I was embarrassed and humiliated, and I decided I wanted to stop acting like that and um and i want to especially i wanted to clean up my language there's no reason for me to be speaking like that and so i so i i can say that i did ask my higher power i said you know help me help me with that and you know i don't know like i said i'm terrible i i feel like so many other people they talk about their higher powers though oh my god he's it it she he is right next to them and they have no they have no problems all i know is that i struggle and i flail like a fish on a hook you know to get this to get close to this higher power and but yet when i asked not a single not a single swear has come out of my mouth since then not one now you know again this is like the sushi thing that might not sound like a big deal to you but i can assure you that's a big deal and um for me so that's that's like you know when I'm ready I guess is when it is. When I was ready, you know. I you know sometimes you know because I've asked that before because I don't like it. I mean, I don't want to say gender differences, but I mean that's not lady-like and um and it's not necessary. So I don't want to do that anymore. And so when I was ready, I asked and you know without any effort on my part it just disappeared. Anybody who knows me and who, who talks to me on the phone a qualifier um please be gentle if I slip but I haven't slipped yet. So that's one thing. And as far as my food goes, like like I said, <clears throat> excuse me. I wrote down my alcoholic foods. And my sponsor was completely um clinical about it. She texted me. She said, you know, before we spoke the first time, she said write down your um your um you know, your alcoholic foods, and then write down your red light and green light foods, or whatever it was. And I thought they were yellow light foods. And she said, no, there's no such thing as yellow light foods. And that's what I tell my own sponsees. There's no such thing as a yellow light food. A yellow light food is a is a red light food that you're not being honest about. And so there's only seven things that I can't eat at all in any way, shape, or form, among which are sugar, flour, nuts, bananas, potatoes, and something like two or three other things. But I don't, I, I just don't. And And that helped you know they used to say fifth or below at least in the boston area sugar can be fifth or below well that's not how i you know so i followed that and and it never worked for me and i eat simply i mean i'm an excellent excellent cook an excellent you know excellent there's a lot of people in this on the in these on the line that are excellent cooks and baker bakers uh, and i'm both and um you know but you know i i don't eat complicated food i eat You know, yogurt, fruit, salad, protein, and occasionally rice. That's it. That's what I eat. Is that, I don't know, is that good enough, an answer? So I'm pretty, I'm pretty, you know, and food is not, I mean, it's not a program of deprivation. I enjoy my food. I do. And I, you know, I eat, like, if I'm entitled to my fruit, I don't care if it's two hours after I've eaten dinner. I have my fruit. Like, I get to decide, right? And I've managed to lose over 50 pounds. And I'm, you know, my body, unfortunately, I I work for a guy, a stem cell biologist, whose field is obesity and obesity-related diseases and diabetes. And when I interviewed with him, I was still obese. And um, so he's talking about his research on fat. This might be useful to people if they're interested. But he said, so he's 6'4 and weighs 170 pounds. And, um, so he's talking about his research and I'm like this, I'm five two or five one actually. And, uh, now, and, um, you know, and I'm fat, so he's tall and thin and I'm short and fat. And so he's talking about his research and about fat and how they're doing research on fat and how, you know, big pharma's going to fund all his research, blah, blah, blah. And I said, um, I said, well, he says, so we're going to make a drug, right? Science may one day find a way. <laughs> and I was all, I was all ears. And, um, so I said, well, what about, like, stopping? He said, yeah, you'd think people could just get up from the table, but they can't. <laughs> so that's what's going to fund my research. And then he said, just recently he said to me, he said, every five years the human body's metabolism slows down so that you have to cut back and, you know, exercise more, cut back, and get simpler and simpler. And I have to say that, you know, my mother maintained her abstinence 33 and a half years until she had a stroke, and then she got fat, and that's how come I know it wasn't it's not a moral issue. I mean she are Jewish, and she never broke her you know dietary laws. She kept that and and she wouldn't touch anything but she she um she gained about a hundred pounds in the nursing home because they they want they're more concerned with their charges keeping weight on than losing weight so you know um I know from my from the scientists that I work for that um that the older I get, the less I can eat, sadly, and uh, and also that it's not a moral issue. So I just have to be aware. So my, I've, you know, my mom, my mom also said that even after she lost all her weight the first year in program, that she, her diet was like a hair, a hair's breadth away from the most stringent um, diet that they used to call gray sheet. You know, she used to eat just very little more than that, and so that's where I am now. I don't eat very much, really. And I don't miss any. I don't miss
0: it either. So that's my answer. Thank you, Cynthia C, for the question. Julie F, your turn with a question. Star one to mute. Julie F.
3: This is Julie F from Indiana. Grateful, compulsive um, overeater in recovery. I just thank you so much, Nancy, for your share this morning. And my question is, I know that there's some people that come in and they have the gift of abstinence from one, day one. And um, what would you say to the person out there that that didn't happen and they've struggled for years? How do you, or how do you reconcile, um, you know, is it sh- like shame or um, the feelings of not getting it?
1: Oh. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um well that's my story. I mean, I struggled from 1971 until ni- until 2017, till the end of 2017. And so I struggled and I didn't feel good about myself and it was I mean, I would say that I, to quantify it, I would say it was a combination of shame and denial. Um, and rage, you know, how come not me? How come them and not me? And um you know, I think that you know I no longer hide from who I am, and you know it's all about it's all about surrender. It's there's nothing else that's standing in anybody in my, <clears throat> standing in the way, or at least in my way. Once I surrendered, you know, it's you know you can't. It's like grabbing all your stuff to get out of a sinking ship. Really, what you want to just get away with is your life. You know, I had to, I wasn't going to give up this food or that food. I wasn't going to give up nuts. I wasn't going to give up, um, I mean, I don't really want to talk about food because it doesn't matter to me anymore. But, you know, I didn't, I was unwilling to give up those things. I was unwilling to give up, um, yeah, I was unwilling to admit that I couldn't have them at all. I just was, not even, it wasn't unwilling. It was like being stared at by a cat. You know, you have to give this up if you're going to get better. You know, blink, blink, nothing, nothing, no one home behind there. Um, with all due respect for cats, I have three of them. But, um, you know, I don't, you know, it's all, I, I feel your pain. You know, you are me and I am you. You know, I I can't say that's what it took. That's why I said the elevator only goes down. You know, this he may do once he gets hurt some more, right? It says that in the book. You know, don't let him, don't let your don't let alcoholics take advantage or say that they can't do this. This they may do once they get hurt some more. Well, I had to have plenty of pain in my life. You know, and I've heard like I said, I've heard people that have, you know, gone off the deep end or not gone off the deep end because they've lost a child or a spouse or the job or a house or, you know, financial catastrophe, you know personal catastrophe i mean the the elevator only goes down you know until you surrender like until you surrender and it has to be you can't say okay i surrender you can't say that you have to be you have to be you have to be i don't know i couldn't say it i used to say i had kept a journal and i'd write and i'd say i surrender and then i'd eat like that didn't mean anything i can't say why but i can say that my life overtook me like a tidal wave like i was like, you know, like a curling wave goes over the, the surfer. That's what life happened. That's what happened to me. And I couldn't get through it. I thought, you know, when I was 14, I went to this beach um, on the South Shore near Cape Cod, um, Not, but not on Cape Cod, called Horse Neck Beach. Vicious, vicious undertow. And there's a sign on the beach that says, watch out for the undertow. And there was a stake, like a post, buried in the ground with cement, with a that the lifeguards would chain themselves to to get people that were stuck in the undertow, and i and I thought I'm a good swimmer i'm going to go out there, and I suddenly realized I couldn't get to the service i I'd, I'd get I'd bob up for one breath and then I couldn't get up and i and I was drowning, and I didn't even know it until you know four lifeguards had to come from the shore and come and get me. It was you know staggering how um how dangerous it was, and I didn't even know it. And that's what my life was like. I thought I was like I thought I could control this, you know. I had this I had this challenge in my life that, you know, that I was gonna try to fix and it just wasn't getting fixed and I was howling. I mean I would be in the car and I would be, you know, eating and howling with my pain and my rage and my fear and I couldn't get away from it. And it wasn't getting better. It was it was just and it was immovable i do anything to help you can i do anything to fix it like now i know that's i don't want to say ridiculous but it is kind of ridiculous you know to say that to someone who's in the throes of that um it doesn't work and it was the same thing as shouting at a brick wall like you know please don't be a brick wall you know i couldn't i didn't even know and and but you know i was I at least knew about this program, right? And I at least knew one person that I could call to um to give me I mean, I thought she was just going to be as sympathetic as she was when I called when my I had that test come back when I was pregnant, you know? She would just be like, "Don't worry, it'll be fine." You know? But instead, she had real, you know, concrete advice, you know, something concrete, call this number. And I don't know why I did that. Well, how could I have... You know, this is the whole thing. The answer to your question is, I don't know. All I can say is, when you've hurt enough, when you've been in enough pain and you don't want to be there anymore, the answers are here. And by the way, they're free, they're abundant, and they're not that difficult. Like, once you surrender... I personally did not find the steps to be that much of a challenge. And my big 550-page tome, <laughs> like my big my old fourth step, you know, I spent 3 years on that because I thought bigger is better. And my my fourth step that I did with my with my vision sponsor, 6 pages. And, you know, 6 pages versus 550, you know, I I'll take the 6-pager because I got so much more out of it. I mean, so much more and there's plenty more to come you know there's plenty more that i'll have to work on like right when these arise i work on it every day and there's pain in my life a lot of it but i know from experience that when i ate the pain was eclipsed by the eating i would become obsessed with the eating i was like oh my god I've eaten, I'm never going to get out of this. And and my problem would be sitting there festering, and I'd be, oh my God, I've eaten, I'm never going to get out of this. Today, just yesterday when I had this thing about my job, and I've talked to a lot of people, but my sponsor was sort of the last nail in the coffin for that, and she gave me some more concrete advice. Now I know what to do. It's amazing. Like, it's not that tough. The only thing that you have to do is surrender. I mean, if if you can't do that, then, you know, you'll get hurt some more. And then maybe one day you'll be hurt some more, and then it will be enough for you to say, I've had enough. I've had enough. I have had enough. And, you know, and sometimes I feel like it's unfair because, you know, I've had more pain, more very difficult pain in my life. And I'm like, wait a minute, I've surrendered. But, you know... Then I remember I've chosen this is just me what I've decided is that rather than say oh it's not fair I'm not I'm, I've already done my paid my dues and done my time what I've decided is that God my higher power wants me closer even closer how great is that like what a gift even closer as close as I feel I can get I can it's infinite how much closer I can get it's infinite and what a gift like you know I don't like it, and sometimes I dig my heels in, and I say, not today, but luckily for me, I talk to people every day, all the time, and I work this program, I work these steps, and there's nothing that just falls away. I mean, then when I give it up, or when I when I, when I surrender to whatever it is, I think to myself, that really wasn't so tough. And thank God it's only maybe a day or two, or three days, or a week, or something. And then I'm like, oh yeah, that wasn't so tough. So It's all about surrender.
3: Well, thank you so much, Nancy. You've been such an inspiration, and um, I thank you for your share. And I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Julie F. Suri C., your turn with a question, please. Star 1 to unmute.
4: Hi, it's Suri C. I'm a compulsive overeater in Connecticut. Um, wow, Nancy, thank you so much. Um, so I'm still new, I'm starting out. I've known about the program for a number of years, but um, it wasn't until I was forced into desperation um, or some level of desperation that I came into it. But um, my question to you is um, how do you, like, define or understand abstinence, because from what I'm understanding, you know, people understand abstinence as gray sheet. As um, my sponsor is more liberal with the food plan, um, and then I hear people talk about, well, I thought I was abstinent with the sugar, but then I found this, and 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 I there are so many different kinds of foods, um, and I I also found through my process that in terms of the abstinence I realized that I was I'm not an alcoholic but I have an alcoholic mind and i was I was being alcoholic in in my lack of like sleep I would just would uh, I would go to work after you know and, and work, teach a whole day working on one hour of sleep um, and for me abstinence also has started to be um, water that my nutritionist has been on my case because I will go an entire day without drinking a drop of water so I like how do you um, define, like I guess starting out, what, what is supposed to be abstinence um, as I'm trying to latch onto it? Um, and then I guess the second question is also um, knowing that I have this alcoholic mind, knowing, knowing that, I, that I have a family history and I'm sort of in an island on my own trying to work this program in, in an environment where the holidays are so huge and so food sorry. related and yeah.
0: I'm sorry. Um, okay. Could we yeah. boil it down to a question please in the interest? Yes. Of- Thank you. So the
4: first question was what is abstinence um, for you and, and how do you sort of, how do you understand it? And then the other one was um, somebody mentioned, and you had mentioned uh, about a food, uh, a, a, sort of a, a an idea of a food plan for a kid. Um, how do you, um, how do you, what would that look like or is there is there a pamphlet that you know of that I could see of how I could sort of look at it for myself and also for my kids.
1: Thanks for the question. Um yeah, I when I sponsor people, um I my sponsor didn't give me a food plan. I made up my own food plan. And I my this is just me. Um you know, I've been to nutritionists before and um I had to tear up everything that i knew about them what i had to do was identify my alcoholic foods and i i can i mean i think i gave most of them their you know like i can't have some things that some people can have and and um and i don't believe that there's a woman on in the united states that doesn't know how to like pick a food plan that would work you know i mean my um i weigh in in grams not in ounces and um So I, I, um, I mean, like I was saying about my boss, he said, you know, you have to cut back on every five years or so. And I was like, oh, I wish I hadn't talked to you. I wish I didn't know that. And then I would be able to eat the way that I was eating, which was perfectly fine. But my weight stopped coming off and I still have a few pounds to take off. So I, I cut back by 25% on my, on the, on the most calorie dense things that I eat and, um, which were basically fruit and, um, So that hurt a little, but now it's fine. It hurt a little for a day, and then um, I did that. But, I mean, like when I tell people, when I sponsor people, I say, I don't care what you eat. Figure out a food plan. Go to a nutritionist, whatever you want to do. Just make sure that you don't have anything that's alcoholic for you. So if you, if you know, if sugar, I mean, I don't eat sugar, or I don't eat flour. That's even more, like I don't eat, crackers I don't eat pasta I don't eat bread I don't eat I don't know I don't need anything that's that's powdery that's made from anything that can be mixed and baked <laughs> I guess that's what I I don't do any of that um and and I don't you know I've like you mentioned something about the holidays like I decided at the holidays um you know we at at the around the holidays we get invited i always host thanksgiving and i have a lot of food there for everybody i have a lot of food i cooking is something that i'm good at it's relaxing and I, you know and i have a big crowd and i cook a lot of stuff probably 70% of which i cannot eat myself but i have plenty that i can eat i mean i don't need need very much and my and in, in the holiday season we go to a few open houses we go to a few parties and you know various celebrations here and there and I just made a, I decided for myself that no matter what time that the event started, I was going to um, – I don't believe in bringing my food places. I just don't do that. But other people find relief that way. But I eat at home. And, um, you know, if there's an open house that goes from 5.30 to 9.30 or 5.30 to 8.30, we show up at 6 with me already having eaten and brushed my teeth and flossed. So there's no question that I'm going to have anything else. Um And as far as, like, what to feed kids, you know, when my kids were, my kids are 17 and 18 right now, and, um, you know, we have um, plenty of stuff in the house that, you know, I mean, I'm a cook and baker, so we have cookies and, you know, cake and all kinds of stuff, and, uh, you know, all baked by me. And, you know, at Christmas time, I'm I'm Jewish, but I like to give cookies away at Christmas, so I baked probably, I don't know, 1,500 or 2,000 cookies this past season, and bought cute bags at amazon packed them all up and bought cute stickers that said you know to your house from ours or whatever and we still have tons left i haven't had so much as a chocolate chip or a sprinkle or a jimmy in two years because i started before the seat before i did all that baking last year uh, in rather 2017 it's like i might as well be emptying my dishwasher for all the interest it has for me and for my kids you know i pack their lunches and and, um, you know, I pack them nutritious food. I mean, they don't get to decide. I get to decide. I do the grocery shopping, I do the cooking. they don't like vegetables. You know what my response is? choke it down. I don't care, and they um, and I make my cookies small, and I slice my cake thin, and that's what they that's what they get and they that's how they were raised, and they don't seem any of the worse for it. I don't have salty, snacky things in the house because they bother me. I could, I suppose, but i they're also. You know, this is like the science, working for the scientists, they're calorie-dense. And, you know, I don't want to give my kids food that, you know, one portion has 500 calories. You know, that's like, I don't want that. I mean, I don't want to do that. So I, that's how I raised them. So they're, that's what they know. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're eating is out of my control now. They have their own money and my son drives and, you know, he goes out with his friends and I don't know, but you know he's he knows i did the best i could and that you know it's all up to them now and you know i used to think i'll say one thing about this i used to think that the worst thing that could have that i that could be is that if i had a fat kid because i was fat um there are worse things and i have one of the worst things i think it's i you know i just it's so scary to me you know to see my poor girl but um you know I, you get what you, nothing, whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger, and, um, and these steps, I used to think that I would just die if I followed the directions precisely, like, can you imagine, I used to think to myself, I'd be at a big book step study, not a bit, not a step study meeting, but back in, like, like the 70s, or the, you know, like when I was in high school, or like in college, and I'd go to a big book meeting, and I'd be sitting to my, sitting there thinking to myself, can you imagine, not doing that or having to do that. (laughs) You know, and I'd laugh. I'd smirk to myself. Today, none of that matters. I mean, the only hard thing for me was the surrender. Everything else, I say it's hard, but really what it is is unpleasant. It's not that hard. once I surrender? You know what I mean? It's all about surrender. Like, it's just unpleasant. Like, I don't want my, you know, my, I don't want my daughter to be in pain and deal with it in that particular way so that's unpleasant for me but it's not once i surrender i just put one foot in front of the other and by the way you know all the promises what it talks about fellowship that is the most precious thing even more than abstinence for me i have friends today i have people that call me i have people that want to talk to me i have people that you know that want to that care what i think that you know that had come close to me like I never ever thought abstinence is chump change compared to that I, you know that promise of being with other people and accepted and loved oh my god you know I would I, I can't say I would give up my, my abstinence but that is the jewel The abstinence is not abstinence is not the jewel the fellowship is the jewel and the journey itself is the destination i mean i never want to get to the end it's like going on a sleepover and having to go home the next day you know like who who wants to do that you want to stay with your friends all the time so like the journey itself is where i want to be and and lucky me here i am even with all the yucky stuff that's unpleasant and and yeah some of it's difficult but it only it's only difficult until i surrender and then you know and then i like my job was this thing that was i'm so grateful that i made that decision because look what i get i'm going to get a what they call a soft landing and i have a friend who's the head of hr at another place that's very desirable to work she's my very close friend she said i called her up and i said i'm going to give up my job she didn't even blink she goes too much and i said yeah i don't have to explain anything she's like no problem we get jobs here i mean this is a place that I can get a job where, you know, I'm sure the the line to get in there is two miles long. Yet, you know, my higher power said to me, "Call, call Allison. She'll help you." So, I mean, it's only the surrender. I had I slogged around with this job since last September because I love money, <laughs> you know, because I wanted money, lucre, filthy lucre. But, um, you know, we've saved our our whole lives. For um, for our kids' educate for their whole lives for their education we're going to be fine. I don't need to have that money. What a relief! It only hurt until I surrendered, and now it doesn't hurt anymore. And in fact, you know, I was shed a few tears with my boss because he's, he's sad. He doesn't want me to go. But um, I said it, I said that he knows about me in program. I said it only hurts till you surrender, and then once you embrace the change, it starts to feel good. And that truer words were never spoken. I mean, that is absolutely the truth as I know it. So I can tell you that, you know, f- the food plan and the, the kids is, you know, you know what to do. If you have ever stood in the grocery store line, you know what to do. You don't need me to tell you. You don't need a nutritionist to tell you. You need to go and shop around the edges of the grocery store and not in the in the aisles. And you need to make sure that you're, that the message that you give your kids is disciplined, you know. I mean, I don't force my kids, you know, they get... You know they do get dessert if they want it um, but i you know i just I just give them what I eat myself i when they were little, I raised them on salad and they like salad, and I raised them on you know i'm i you know they've never eaten at McDonald's or or any of those fast food places. They don't like that. One time my son went on a play date and got taken, and he he said, came home, and he goes, I had some chicken nuggets at McDonald's. I feel sick, and I sort of smirked to myself, and I was like, oh, that's too bad. Well, I guess you won't eat those again. He's never gone back. So, you know, um, yeah, but my daughter the same. She's never eaten at McDonald's or any of those places. She's never done that. She doesn't, you know, they just don't, and it's, you know, At first, I was an afraid mother, and I was like, oh, my God, they're going to have, you know. um, So, you know, I just made it. I drew a line in the sand. I do all the grocery shopping and the cooking, so I get to decide. I hate cauliflower. They all love it, and we don't have it because I hate it. And I'm like, and they say, can we have it? And I say, no, because I hate it. You know, I get to decide. I'm drunk on the power. (laughs) I hope that helps.
0: Thank you, Suri C., for the question. And thanks to everybody who posed questions this morning. And, of course, thank you, Nancy T., for offering so much of yourself today and sharing such a remarkable story of transformation as a result of these 12 steps. Thank you very much. We're going to close from page 164. You'll find it in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only,